This season on More Than Podcasts, we introduced a new voice, my dear friend, Yokai. But who is Yokai Chamba? On this episode, you will learn why Yokai Chamba is more than a netball player. On the previous episode, um, we delved into the topic of identity. Um, but as we discovered, identity is so much more complex and we can't really just talk about it in one episode. But Yokai also revealed that she has been finding it a bit difficult to really be vulnerable and open up. And it's something that she really wants to do and she wants to dare greatly. So on today's episode, Yokai's gonna be courageous and let us in into who she is and who she's growing to be. So Yokai, in the previous episode, um, you touched up on the feeling of not fitting in or not being South African enough or Afrikaans enough or all those kinds of things and then going back home to Zim and um, then not being Zim enough. <laughs> and um, would you want to let us in a little bit more of how that makes you feel and and kind of how that has formed your identity? So why am I nervous? the floor is yours (laughs) madame no i think you know ever since moving here and then primary school i went to predominantly white primary school um so in those early years i was you know socialized around white people which was cool but still definitely stuck to like my zum culture and have very little family here but we went um back home very often um so i was very secure within myself um and in my blackness as well and that was only challenged once i went to high school which was a bit more mixed um and then i tried to kind of engage uh with the other black girls and that first encounter when i tell you it was the worst one of the worst days of my life like i was so embarrassed and i'm i'm a confident girl but best believe that whole experience humbled me because I was, I just had so much self-doubt. And from that day on, I felt like I had to prove my blackness all throughout mm-hmm. high school. And I, it's not something that I spoke about with my parents because obviously, you know, going home and when we're also around family and stuff, like you're in a safe space, so you're secure within yourself. But it was definitely challenged when I was at school and in a school environment. So then I was like, well, I have to excel academically. I have to excel in my sport. Mm. I have to excel in my music. Like that was a really big thing for me. Um, because I was not welcomed into that space. And I was very much alienated. Um, even a bit bullied. Um, I mean, yeah, oh, this, this big girl was bullied. Imagine that. Um, and I think a lot of people are surprised when I tell them that um, and they don't believe me because they're like yeah, but you have such a big back and I'm like yes I do um, but you know a lot of things were said and I took them to heart and I was like well if that's how you feel let me show you who I really am and who I really was 
was kind of, you know, the school that excelled. Mm. And then when I got to grade 10 and then grade 11 matric, I was now the epitome and the representative for black excellence. Mm. Which was so unsettling. And only after high school did I realize that it was a problem. Because I went from being alienated from my people, people that I believed were my people, to being someone that represented them because I excelled in all these things. And I made it possible for other black girls to feel like they could do these things. And I always felt uneasy. And for the longest time, I thought, okay, I'm the token black girl. Mm. And only once I'd matriculated, I was like, that was so wrong. That was so wrong. And it was so sad that I threw myself into this role because I felt like I needed to prove myself in order to not fit in, but rather stand out because I didn't Mm. fit in. And then I get to UCT and I think UCT is the best thing that ever happened to me in life. I got to meet so many people like me and I felt so safe and I got to know so much more about myself. And um, I realized how low-key traumatic high school was, even though I was doing so great and I guess enjoying myself while excelling and all these kind of things. Um, but there was a lot wrong with what happened through that high school journey that kind of had wounded me once I got to university. Mm. Um, and then I'd always lean on the Nepal aspect because, because I did so well in Nepal and I was a girl from the southern suburbs that made provincial teams and then made a high performance team. Like that was, I'm, I'm an anomaly. Yeah. Um, so you are special. The chosen uh, one. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> girl, please. Please, girl. Yeah, so I get to varsity. Things are good. Things are Gucci. Don't know where to go from here. Um, I think one thing that kind of caught my attention was when you say now you started excelling and you were kind of, you became the token black girl and um, like you embodied black excellence and then you said you felt like you had this role to fulfill and it just reminded me of when you brought up the performative aspect of life and how the show must go on and you said that you didn't see how problematic it was back then because the show was happening and um because we also don't allow ourselves to to sit down with it and really unpack it because so that time you're quite young and relating to that I also didn't see how problematic certain things were um during my school experience up until now mm. and how long have I been out of school I'm not gonna <laughs> but it, you know I can maybe <laughs> soon go to my 10-year reunion I don't know but <laughs> But it's, it's kind of that thing of when you experienced it, you're receiving certain kind of messages from the environment around you that now you can realize and see it as actually not being good messages. Mm. Saying that you, as this beautiful black young woman, are, um, you're only good enough. 
if you're excellent. Yeah. My dad said something so valuable to me, valuable to me when I was younger. And he'd like literally sing the song every so often. And he was like, you need to make sure when you're making friends with people or meeting new people and you're getting close to them and you're making connections that they have the right intentions, mm-hmm. that they're not befriending you because you're different. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, what do you mean by different? Mm-hmm. And I only understood what that different me- that difference was once I got to university. Mm-hmm. Like he was protecting me from something without having to explicitly say it. Mm. And I'm glad that he he did it in the way that he did so that I could learn, mm. you know, that some people, without even realizing it, you know, through microaggressions and stuff, that they don't have your best intentions at heart, that they will befriend you because you're a different type of yeah. black or a different like me type also, of color. different type of color. Yeah. yeah. And that you're not what... They know. like what they think and this preconceived idea or this box they place on like people like oh all colors are like this all black people are like this exactly. and kind of giving you your identity through who you are classified in, <laughs> in your passport or whatever yeah, do we even still do classification yes because we see it on our netball forms all the time Hi. BCW um, baby. Ooh, like me. <laughs> what am I classified as again? Generic black. Really? Mm. Oh. Actually, yeah, oh. they don't they don't put that on the form. But you know I have talks with certain people at certain levels where I then discovered you know people that know people. Well I discovered I'm generic black. Really? So already that places on me. You're not black, but you are black because you're not so, white. But you're also not black. You're generic black. I'm like, what does that mean? For me, being a young woman, I'm like, I'm generic black, but I'm not black. What am I? Yeah. Right? And all these environments, um, whether it's school, whether it's netball, whether it's work, work, whether it's you just filling out a form at home affairs, it gives you identity issues. And it's, ugh, it's a bit sad. And um, I, race is very important. I am a proud colored woman. And... Um, but it's just been very difficult navigating being a proud coloured woman in society sometimes because they expect you to be a certain way and act a certain way. Mm. And I just feel like it's unfair. Yeah. I When I got to Vasi again um, and I learned about intersectionalities mm. and how they said the black woman is like the most oppressed and then... So they were like, if you're black, if you're a woman, um, if you're, let's say, queer, if you're foreign, mm. like you're literally at the bottom of mm. the picking order. And it's like, ah, but I've just gone doing all these excellent things. And I tell you, I'm still at the bottom. Mm. And you're like, okay, so this is how, this is my positionality in the world. Mm. And then still again, you go out of your way to prove that you're not in that position. <laughs> so, <laughs> but why? And, and, and why does it have to be that way? Like you being like having those things, like being a black woman, being foreign, having a different sexual preference. Why does that classify you as being at the bottom? Because these are things that you did not choose. You didn't choose it. These are things that you who, are. Who made the list? Who made the hierarchy? That's all I want to know. 
Which man? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, don't start with the patriarchy. Oh no, the feminist heart of mine cannot deal with the patriarchy. But yeah, no, it's just it's just interesting to chat about and interesting to discuss and unpack because then you just start to question a whole bunch of theories in life, and and how it relates to you and and your life and how you exist in the world. I think. Yeah. But you know what? Um, something you just said, you start to question it, and I feel like you should always question it. If you don't question it, that's why I feel like you have a problem. Because then you're just accepting, and you're settling, and you're saying, okay, world, you tell me who I am. But I feel like, let's tell the world who you are. This is who I am. If Whether you accept it or not, and... For me, the man in the arena still comes into play. I am in the arena. I am daring greatly. And me going through this process of doing something that I was afraid to do, being courageous, being vulnerable, showing my skin and fighting in the arena. And I'm like, well, at least I'm not sitting in the stands and just being an onlooker. And while being in the arena all like <laughs> full of dirt and sweat and tears and blood and I'm just like you know going through it and I realize that the people that are sitting in the stands and that are pointing at me they're not my people because my people are the ones with me in that same arena fighting with me fighting for me loving me for my vulnerabilities and not despite them and for the longest time I thought I was not good enough just being me and I could not be loved for my vulnerabilities even though me myself have loved for some like someone for their vulnerabilities like seeing them and seeing them being imperfect and then being like I still love you and like kind of like loving someone unconditionally I knew I could do that but I still didn't believe that someone could do that for me I didn't believe like I'm worthy of being loved for my imperfections, for my humanity, for the things that I find undesirable in myself. I didn't feel like I deserved to be loved, to be enough. But now I realize being vulnerable and then still receiving love from people, those are your people. And you showing skin is not going to chase the right ones away. Yokai. Yes, Joe. <laughs> I want to tell you that I think you are one of the most amazing and beautiful people. And you showing your vulnerability and you kind of always giving space to other people. I just feel like it's important for you to give space to yourself too. What do you think about that? I think that I need to learn to do that. And, you know, I need to practice patience in doing that. Um, and you need to be kind to yourself. Yeah. It's one of those... You know, when something doesn't come naturally to you, you just don't do it. So you actively have to, you know, mm. be, like, intentional and seek out those things that make you uncomfortable. Because even this 
us doing this podcast is so uncomfortable for me um because of the the topics that you know we've decided to unpack and delve into because it involves me having to do some introspection that I was not prepared to do well not not prepared to do but I can I can sit here and we can speak for an hour about Joe and I'll be in my bag in my bag and then Joe will be like but yo Kai how do you feel I'll be like cut the cameras <laughs> literally <laughs> cut the cameras um because there are only a handful of people that know genuinely who I am mm. and I and we are privileged <laughs> <laughs> I guess but I think you know just being guarded and having your walls up you know it's just to for some reason I just protect myself in that way not that I have a lot to protect but I think um excuse me I, I don't know I get uh, uh. <laughs> but um um I, I think that you should <laughs> really look at that maybe yeah so yeah we were just maybe we'll unpack that in the next session of therapy who knows um but yeah this is it's it's a great opportunity to kind of push myself and you know figure out things um definitely speeds up the process mm. and also i'm sure that there are people that are similar to me that are just as uncomfortable and you know are literally like ill feelings um especially feelings pertaining to themselves um so i hope that me being all weird and grossed out <laughs> and talking about myself um, someone will be like, oh, that's me too, damn girl. I can relate. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll try, well, I'll try and progress. Show you some, some progress <laughs> in the future. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but that's the thing. That's the beautiful thing about this process that we're doing. It's kind of like showing up where we are and showing that and... Me being at this stage of my healing process and you still struggling to open up about it, it kind of just shows life. It's like it's life. It shows a friendship. It shows a true reflection of two friends being in the same environment, going through life together, but being at different spaces, but still being able to connect and still being able to form that friendship. But the reason we're able to do that is because we're giving each other that space. We are seeing each other for who we are and being like, I respect that. I see that. I have empathy for that. And I will give you the space to grow at your pace. And that's the thing that's so important in any relationship, whether it's platonic, whether it's with a family member or a romantic partner, as being like, I see you, I hear you, I value you, and you are enough. And holding that space for each other and respecting our differences and connecting on our similarities and finding a way for that to coexist and letting love lead the way and seeing each other as fellow human beings figuring life out together. And I just think it's beautiful. (laughs) And that's why I've not given up on humanity and I've not given up on love 
and um, I just hope that everyone gets to experience that but you only can do that when you're open to it anyway love you bye <laughs> love you bye